Welcome, everyone, to Marine Park Technical College's Talent Talk podcast. I'm Kelly Karpinski, a business development manager in the Economic and Workforce Development Division of MPTC. Today, we are talking with Max Redcliffe of Aurora Healthcare. Max has more than 20 years of experience in employee assistance programs and has worked with a variety of individuals and companies. We'll be chatting about a timely concern within many businesses, the state of mental health in the workplace. Max, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Kelly. Glad to be here. All right. Well, first, let's kind of set the stage. Can we talk about the spectrum or the range of mental health in the workplace? Like, what are individual workers and businesses facing as far as issues and challenges? Sure. Um, really a continuum of things. On, on one end, you have diagnosable mental health conditions, anxiety, depression, things like that, which are all up the last few years. Uh, and then you have more mundane things, just such as feeling stressed out or having conflict with others or perhaps having anger management issues. So those are all really under the uh, mental health or mental wellness umbrella. So mental health issues have really always existed, right? So why do we, it, why are we talking about it more now? I, it feels like we are. So, so what has happened? Well, a couple of things. Uh, the COVID pandemic really just kind of was a huge stressor that exacerbated everything that was already there. So you're seeing um, pretty much any category of mental health going up pretty dramatically because of COVID, just because of the increased stress, the social isolation, the lack of uh, ability to meet and connect with each other, financial hardships, a lot of different reasons. So you're seeing it in um, stress, anxiety, depression, substance abuse, suicidality, uh, abuse, domestic abuse, child abuse, pretty much across the board. Um, and another thing is there's been ongoing efforts to destigmatize mental health and mental illness. And that may be bearing some fruit, especially with the younger generation, as they seem to be more comfortable uh, talking about mental health issues. So it could be some of that as well. Okay. So how prevalent is mental health um, in general, but also really in the workplace? What are, what are we talking about? Again, when we talk about mental health, sometimes we zero in on, on just diagnosable mental illness, and, and that's part of it. But when you look at things like stress, uh, over half of workers surveyed report feeling significantly more stress since COVID, and almost 90% report that it's greater than it was prior to the, the COVID pandemic. Burnout, employees are being asked to do more. There's a labor shortage. There's more people doing more hours, um, taking on more responsibilities with less staff. And then you add the big global stressors like COVID pandemic, uh, financial concerns, wars, and it's kind of a perfect storm where it's manifesting more and more in the workplace. Okay. So what are some ways employers can support both the employees who who struggle with mental health issues, but also those who don't, because we also have to acknowledge that there is an effect on people who may not have issues, who you know are are kind of left back up at the office per se. I mm -hmm. guess. Yeah, it's it's a 
hard thing for people to talk about because of the stigma associated with mental health. But when surveyed, very high percentages of employees say they want more mental health support and more wellness support in the workplace. And employers are responding. Um, more and more employees are employers are adding wellness programs, including mental health, because that's an important dimension of it. Things like EAPs have been around for years, um, somewhat underutilized, promoting them more, um, helping to destigmatize, training supervisors, having things very visible where employees don't have to ask for the help. They can see how to, to access it because it's so visible. Mm-hmm. We um, so for the audience sake, Max and I just uh, finished what a business forum that we had here at Marine Park on this topic. Max was our speaker, um, and one of the things that I think stuck out to me on on Max's last point was, you know, putting information, whether it's about an EAP or other help, in kind of inconspicuous places or places where it's not obvious. We talked about the bathroom stalls, obviously, but another employer said they put cards, you know, up on top of the microwave. So when they're standing there warming up their food, you know, they can just kind of grab one or, or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, those were all ideas that came through. People are embarrassed to to mention that they even are stressed out, much less have a mental health concern, and that stigma is very persistent. So the, the more visible employers can make resources and the, the more that employees can access it without having to go tell someone, hey, I'm struggling, the better. And um, placing things on company websites, pushing things mm-hmm. out via email blasts, although you know people have a lot of emails already. These are all things that can help with the visibility of mental health resources. Mm -hmm. And also, um, like you said, talking about it like lunch and learns, I would imagine that EAPs um, are very receptive to coming in and speaking to employees. Absolutely. We can do mental health awareness talks for employees and just kind of normalize it, destigmatize let people know these things are very common. Probably every person in the room would have a story about a family member or a friend or themselves. And I think once people know how common they are, it makes it a little less scary and a little easier for people to to take some action. And then the uh, drug and alcohol awareness talks as well. Um, I think, especially in Wisconsin, we have a, a very hard, heavy drinking culture. And sometimes even alcohol abuse disorder type drinking is is normalized and and people don't even realize that it could be harmful to themselves or their families. So I think education is always a key component. Yeah, you had talked about, um, you know, you quite often, I don't think we put alcohol or drug abuse in that mental health bucket, right? But it Mm -hmm. is it definitely belongs there. Correct. Absolutely. And when you look at the uh, the way that uh, different things are diagnosed, there's the DSM-5, which is a big book. It has all the different mental health disorders and all the diagnostic criteria. And in that book are substance abuse disorders, including alcohol abuse disorders. So with alcohol, there's about 11 different uh, diagnostic criteria. And depending how many a person has, they could have either a mild, moderate, or severe alcohol abuse disorder. And 
There's many people who have these disorders and don't even know it, and they're just looking at it as normal drinking, and when in fact it might be harmful to them in their personal lives, social lives, professional lives, etc. So how does um, how does mental health manifest itself? You mentioned some things, but manifest itself in the workplace like what are what are some of the things that maybe hr leaders and managers may want to look for Mm -hmm. um you know in in a person if they're kind of wondering yeah sometimes it it might be something very dramatic where a person has a full-blown diagnosable condition and they're decompensating at work and that is losing touch with reality. That is a tiny, tiny fraction of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Much more common is just people having problems with everyday life, feeling overly stressed, feeling that they're having trouble getting through the day, not being able to sleep because they're, they're worrying about so many things. Maybe being so stressed that they're having conflict with others. They're not as patient, they're more reactive, more argumentative, maybe more prone to having anger episodes. So some of the things may be um, uh, observed just in the uh, the way the person conducts themselves, the way they communicate, they interact. Others might be a result of the person confiding or sharing something with you because they trust you. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of different ways these things come up. So it's good to always kind of have a game plan in place. What kind of resources do we have or what can we refer this person to uh, based on what they're presenting. Mm. And there's a lot of resources out there, but at the heat of the moment, it might not be so easy to think of what they are. So it's kind of good to plan ahead and and uh, have various scenarios that you're, you're ready to, to help a person with. What about having the conversation? Um, I know that you, you touched on today a little bit about um, you know, if you're noticing something, if you suspect somebody is struggling, how do you even approach that conversation? Yeah, it's a tough one because, of course, you want to <clears throat> be respectful of the person's privacy. There are ver- various laws such as ADA and others protecting people's privacy pertaining to different disabilities, which c- could include mental health conditions, or even alcohol abuse disorder. So you don't want to be invasive. You don't want to be prying into people's personal affairs, certainly. Um, But you want to be a caring, concerned employer or or HR person or what have you. And if you notice somebody is is really struggling or they're not themselves, you can just comment on, on it and do it in a private way where you're not embarrassing them or humiliating them in front of anybody else. Just say, hey, I noticed you... You were very quiet the last week. Um, just want to make sure everything's okay. You know, do you know about our, our different support services? Do you know about our EAP in case you want to talk to somebody about anything? Um, and again, sometimes people will share things with you, the employer, sometimes just out of the blue or sometimes in response to uh, job performance issues that they're having that they're getting called on. Uh, it could be presented sounding almost like an excuse. Maybe it's 100% legitimate. Maybe it's 100% fabricated. But as an employer, it's always a balancing act of holding a people accountable to do the job. You have to keep the business running while still being a kind and caring individual where you connect with people on a human level and you let them know 
you know, you're not just a number to us. You're not just someone who helps us make money. You're a person. I'm a person. I care about you. And if if I or we can help you and support you, we want to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a win-win, if you ask me. That's one of the things I love about EAP because really what benefits employees and their families ultimately benefits the employer, too. So it's it's uh, it's one of those things that there's really no downside to is is helping employees get connected with help. And most times as an employer, you really won't know what's going on outside of work in the person's personal life. All you'll know is what you see in the workplace or what they might confide with you. And really, that's that's all you can go on. And again, don't want to pry or probe into their personal matters. You want to respect their personal medical information, etc. You're just connecting as a caring person who wants to help them succeed and address any difficulties they might be having. Mm-hmm. And one of the, um, you know, you talked about performance issues. One of the, one of the companies this morning discussed how, I believe that they put, if they have to write up a PIP, uh, personal improvement plan, and they actually will put EAP counseling in that as as part of it so yeah and that's that's good i mean it can kind of cut both ways yeah on on the one hand it's a way of really helping people get connected with a resource Mm -hmm. that is bound to help them so it's a good thing on the other hand if the employees are perceiving eap is only something that's recommended if they're quote unquote in trouble then they might look at it like getting sent to the principal's office or something punitive which we certainly don't want because what we see from our internal surveys is uh, close to to 99% of people that actually have an EAP experience reported as as a good experience, something that was helpful, that they'd use again, they'd recommend to a friend or a family member. So as an employer, I think that's something to keep in mind. You know, even if it is within the context of job performance problems, this isn't a punishment. This is something, right. a resource that we're providing to you to help you succeed. And it's confidential. We're not going to know what you talk about. That's between you and, and the EAP. We just want to help support you in any way we can. Mm-hmm. What can people expect when they when they call EAP? That's a good question. Usually it starts with a, <clears throat> a phone call to an 800 number. And um, <clears throat> if you reach our intake department, they'll greet you. They'll ask, how can we help? And um, EAPs don't just have regular counselors. They have a lot of other what we call work-life balance specialists, everyone from attorneys to financial counselors, um, elder care consultants, people that help you find child care, adoption counselors. So we'll, we'll, we'll ask them basically what type of help are you, are you looking for, who is your employer, just so we can identify that they're eligible for the service, and then we'll go ahead and just get them scheduled or in some cases make a direct connection. Um, if people are calling in crisis, uh, that's kind of a different matter than if they're just calling for routine scheduling of an appointment. Um, so we'll make every effort to get them connected to a live counselor 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Once we know what type of service they're looking for, um, <clears throat> with the COVID pandemic, we introduced virtual sessions. Uh, prior to that, it was primarily in-person and we weren't sure how people would like the virtual. It turns out a lot of people love virtual. So we would ask them what type of appointment you'd like, and then we'd get them scheduled with either an in-person or virtual, or in some cases, a phone appointment. 
and um, that's it. Then they connect with their uh, counselor or other EAP professional, and it's between uh, them and the EAP. Again, confidentiality is a huge part of EAPs. People really need to know that if they're sharing personal family matters, that that's not going to go back to the employer. And, of course, their confidentiality is protected by a variety of state and federal laws. Mm-hmm. So what what kinds of... of um work do you do with employers then like what can what can you offer employers or what are what are some of the things employers can do you know do you um besides kind of lunch and learns and not we talked a lot about destigmatizing mental health right and mm-hmm. and that really takes talking about it are there other things that e- that EAP and and other resources mm-hmm. offer employers well, our EAP has a team of account executives who are dedicated to serving the employers. So that would entail um, unlimited management consultation, really from anybody in a leadership position could call the EAP, talk through a situation with their account executive, and talk about how the EAP might be able to help. And that could lead to individual interventions with um, particular employees, or it could be more of a broad-based approach uh, brown bag trainings, supervisory trainings, um, promotional campaigns, webinars, recordable videos. So we really like to work with the employer to kind of do a needs assessment. What's going on? How can we help? And then kind of tailor uh, a response to their individual needs. Mm-hmm. One of the, and and that helps, I think, too, with uh one of the things, you know, we broke out in tables today and had little table talks. And the table I was at, they 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 asked a question that they didn't really have a, an answer to. And that was, you know, they were all HR. So they were all HR folks. And it was like, okay, this is great. We, you know, we do all of this. We, you know, we put out the information. We have lunch and learns. Um you know, they have uh, what they called office hours, and it was for management, has these meetings for just managers, they were going to have mental health as a topic. But then it was, you know, how does that trickle down? So if you're, you know, in manufacturing, and you've got supervise, you know, line supervisors and team leads, they're the ones really, you know, on the front lines with those production people. And, and how do you get that to, to trickle down? And I, I don't know if you have an answer to that, but that was, that was one question. Yeah. You know, it's like it's all well and good kind of at the top mm-hmm. level of the company. Right. But, you know. Yeah, I think it's important to, um, to do management and supervisor training so they fully understand the benefit and how to talk to employees about it. Because a lot of times... They'll be the ones seeing it. Mm-hmm. Employees will come to them and share and confide personal things. But it's also good to try and get the message direct to employees. And that could be via uh, printed hard copy materials, um, regular monthly communications that can be uh, posted on companies' intranets, could be emailed to, to employees. Um, sometimes having brown bag talks for the employees themselves could be anything from a mental health awareness talk, stress management, um, could be kind of an overview of everything, sort of the second pandemic COVID collateral type approach, whereas everything bad has gone up. Here's how EAP can help you in all these different areas. So I think it's a kind of a multifaceted approach. 
And it's always a challenge because people have a lot of other duties and responsibilities and other benefits. And sometimes EAP can, can get on the back burner a little bit. But when you look at the value that you can get out of it, um, to me, it's ultimately up to the company how much they want to promote it and how invested are they in it in, in terms of really getting good awareness and utilization. The EAP staff can help them and, and support them in that. But um, we work with hundreds of companies, and we see companies that have an EAP, but it's just kind of there. They don't really promote it. And then we have companies that actively promote it. They really almost handhold help individuals make that first call, where instead of the national average 4 to 6%, some organizations have 10%, 15%, even 20% utilization. So really it's a question of how much do you want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where you get the return on the investment too because the more people use it, uh, the more the uh, attendance improves, engagement, um, pretty much any of the bad measurements, accidents, turnover, absenteeism, all those measures go down. So it's really a win-win. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So again, we talk a lot about EAP. Obviously, that's a great resource. What are some of the other resources that may be available to employers? Oh, there's all kinds of uh, resources in terms of mental health. There's national organizations, uh, NAMI, National Alliance for the Mentally Ill. There's um, all kinds of uh, different hotlines. There's um, behavioral health providers who you can contact, and they, they'd probably be more than happy to, to work with you. There's local government social service agencies that you can tap into. Um, but I think NAMI is a, is a really good place to start. Or if you do have an EAP, consult with your EAP provider about other resources, and they can help you put together a plan and compile um, local and national resources. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have we missed anything? No, I, I just think that... Um, these things are not going to go away. Um, even things resulting from the COVID pandemic, a lot of people describe it as kind of a delayed reaction. They use that second pandemic term where you'll see these things bubbling to the surface for years to come, even after COVID itself is officially over and in the rearview mirror. So I think it's going to continue to be extremely relevant to all employers, especially with a, a labor shortage um, that's not going away either. So mm-hmm. I think it makes sense to address it, have resources, have a good game plan to help support your employees with their mental health needs. And you had mentioned, too, um, that Gen Z and the younger generation is really, uh, this is kind of top of mind for them. And I, I actually did just read this. i just kind of thinking about it now that they're the ones asking for mental health benefits, uh, you know, so they'll, as they enter the workforce and, you know, become more prevalent. That's a great point. Um, You know, there's been this stigma surrounding mental health issues, including substance abuse forever. And there's been efforts to, to combat that. And maybe that's starting to work with the younger generation. And, you know, that's good and bad. You do want people to be open to seeking help, talking about it, asking for help. But there's always that, that balance, too, of uh, holding people accountable to the job demands and helping the business function and be profitable while being a compassionate employer and, and helping people address 
any needs that they have that might be um, troubling them or their families. Mm-hmm. And I, you can definitely do both. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, wonderful. Well, Max, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate your sharing your insights on this uh, very timely topic. Thank you, Kelly. All right. Listeners, you can be among the first to know about future Talent Talk podcasts and much more by subscribing to our newsletter. To do that, visit moraineparkedu slash newsletter. That's moraineparkedu slash newsletter. That concludes today's Talent Talk podcast. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.